Welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 175. We're going to pick it up where we left off yesterday, which is the book of Zechariah in chapter 9. The section title says, Judgment of Zion's Enemies. Verse 1, it says, A pronouncement. The word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, and Damascus is his resting place. For the eyes of humanity and all the tribes of Israel are on the Lord. Notice it says, for um, the eyes of humanity, not just Israel, humanity, the eyes of all humanity and all the tribes of Israel are on the Lord. And also against Hamath, Hamath, uh, as well as Tyre and Sidon. Ashkelon will see, uh, will see it and be afraid, Gaza too, and will writhe in great pain, as will Ekron, for her hope will fail. A mongrel people will live in Ashdod, and I will destroy the pride of the Philistines. I will remove the blood from her mouth and the abhorrent things from her teeth. Then they too will become a remnant for our God. Now, this is interesting. See, and so this is a judgment. This is the Lord proclaiming judgment against Zion's enemies. And so these are his people's enemies. These nation states are his people's enemies. And so he's pronouncing judgment against them. But he says, you know, I will remove the blood from their mouths and the abhorrent things from uh, between their teeth. In other words, the Lord is saying, after I do these things, I'm going to clean them up. And then it says, they too will become a remnant for our God. In other words, um, they were enemies at one time, but after they have been cleansed and washed up and whatnot, they too will be grafted into the family. You see, and so the God is, you know, God is the God of all, not just the God of the Israelites. He's the God of all. And he's uh, punishing and judging all people, not just the Israelites, but all people. And he's weighing the righteousness of all people, not just the Israelites. Because the word says there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. You see, he says they will become like a clan in Judah and Ekron like the Jebusites. And so we see that everybody is eligible to be a full-fledged member in the house of the Lord. Everybody, Jew and Greek, it doesn't matter. Everybody. That is awesome. It says in the title, The Coming of Zion's King. And so this is Zechariah. Again, he's prophesying to the Judeans after they have returned from Babylon. And, um, and, he, and his prophecies are not just for those peoples at that time, but also into the future. See, so we're in around 520, 500 B.C. This is 500 years before Christ. See, five centuries before Jesus is born. In verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. So we will see very soon because uh, Malachi, which is the book after this one, is the last book in the Old Testament. Then we'll get into the New Testament, into Jesus' birth and his ministry and so on. And so it says, he is righteous, <clears throat> your king is coming to you, he is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. We will see how this plays out. 
Then it says, he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. And so this is going to be, you know, uh, the, the Messiah's dominion, the entire world, all the earth. <clears throat> Let's go on to chapter 10. And the word says, uh, let's see, let me drop down. Yeah, the word says, and so this is the Lord restores his people. And it says, ask the Lord for rain in the season of spring rain. The Lord makes the rain clouds and he will give them showers of rain. And crops in the field for everyone. Everyone. It says, ask of the Lord and he will give everyone rain. For the idols speak falsehood and the diviners seek illusions. They relate empty dreams and offer empty comfort. And so we see here, with regard to the idols and idol worship that people involve themselves with, they can't do anything. They offer empty hope. You know, soothsayers, 1-800-PSYCHIC, you know, whatever, call a number in or get your, get your psychic word. They're just speaking out of their own minds. They can offer nothing. It says they relate empty dreams and offer empty comfort. See, they, they, a lot of times you get a psychic word and they, they offer some kind of word that's very comforting to you. But it's empty. It just gives people something to believe in. A lot of people say that about religion. And they are accurate about religion. If they understood what, re what religion meant. Because Jesus hated religion. <clears throat> See, having religion, religion versus having a faith in God, a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those are two different things. Religion is based on man-made traditions. Faith is based on what you believe. It has nothing to do with tradition. What do you believe? It says, therefore, uh, because they have these empty dreams and empty comfort, therefore the people wander like sheep. They suffer affliction because there is no shepherd. See, they suffer because there is no one leading them who has a true revelation of God. It says, my anger burns against the shepherds. So I will punish the leaders. Now, this should be a warning to those who lead people from the pulpit or those who lead people in, in, the, in the realm of politics or whatever, they get held to a higher standard by the Lord because they have responsibility of people under them following their lead. And he says, my anger burns against them. Why? Because they don't accurately represent me. You know, they lead the people around in ways that benefits them. They take advantage of the people. My anger burns against them. Therefore, I will punish them, the leaders, and they will be punished on a different standard. And it says, for the Lord God of armies uh, tended his flock. The house of Judah will make them uh, like the majestic steed in battle, or he will make them like his majestic steed in battle. And so <clears throat> the Lord is saying here uh, that he's going to restore his people and they're going to be like a majestic seed in battle. Let's go on to chapter 11. Let's drop down to verse 4. It says, Israel's shepherds, good and bad. It says, the Lord my God says this, 
shepherd the flock intended for slaughter. Those who buy them slaughter them, but are not punished. Hmm. And so he's saying, shepherd my people, but my, my people are not innocent here. <laughs> it says those who um, buy them and slaughter them, but they're not punished. And so these are shepherds are shepherd over people and they're mistreating the people, but they're not punished. It says those who sell, sell them say, blessed be the Lord because I have become rich. Even their own shepherds have no compassion on them. See, so their own shepherds look at the people as just a means to riches. They don't care about them. They just look at, they don't care about their condition. They just look at them as a means to riches. It says in verse six, indeed, I will no longer have compassion on the inhabitants of the land. So the Lord's saying, like these others, he said, because my people, they reject what I tell them. They don't follow my ways. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to have compassion on them either. They have chosen. I haven't chosen to turn my back on them. They've chosen to turn their back on me. Therefore, I will no longer have compassion on them. This is the Lord's declaration in verse 7. So I shepherd, this is uh, Zechariah talking. This is what the Lord told him to say. So Zechariah says, so I shepherded the flock intended for slaughter, the oppressed of the flock. Then I said, I will no longer shepherd you. Let what is dying die and let what is perishing perish. <laughs> he says, let, uh, let the rest devour each other's flesh. So Zechariah is telling people, look, <clears throat> you're, not, you're not doing what's right. You know, you're turning your back on the Lord. I'm trying to lead you in a way, and, and you just want to follow evilness and wickedness. Therefore, if you're going to die, die. If you're going to perish, perish. And for those that remain, let them devour each other. That's kind of harsh. <laughs> and it says in verse 10, Next, I took my staff called favor and cut it into annulling the covenant that I made with all the peoples. So God had tried to make a covenant with the people, but a covenant takes two. It takes two things, right? You have to agree. And so the people kept turning away from the covenant. It says, if you do this, then I will do that. You know, but you can't get to that unless you do the this. <laughs> so, and they weren't doing the this. They were doing their own this, not the Lord's this. And so this is symbolic of the breaking of that covenant. And then it says in verse 12, then I said to them, if it seems right to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. So they, read, so they weighed my wages 30 pieces of silver. And so what Zechariah is saying, he says, look, I tried to shepherd you, um, but you're not cooperating. Just give me my pay. Give me my wages. You know, and they said, okay. So they gave him 30 pieces of silver. Now, in that time, 30 pieces of silver is what was paid for a slave. It was a pittance. It wasn't anything significant at all. And so they paid him a slave's wage. <laughs> In other words, they totally and completely disrespected him. Now, if we recall, when Judas, if we recall, we're going to get to it. We're going to see that when Judas, when Judas betrayed Jesus, they paid Judas 30 pieces of silver. And so they paid Judas a slave's wage in order to betray Jesus. We'll get to that. In verse 13. Throw it to the potter, the Lord said to me. So the Lord told Zechariah, that pittance that they paid you, throw it, throw it to the potter. What does that mean? It says, um, that, magnificent that magnificent price, uh, I was valued by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw it into the house of the Lord to the potter. 
And so in the temple, there was a um, there was a, a, a poor box where people would, you know, throw money in to give to the poor and, and whatnot. And so that's what this means. You know, throw that silver into the potter's box, into the poor box. They don't value you. What, what are you going to do with 30 pieces of silver anyway? Throw it into the potter's box. And so this is what the Lord told Zechariah to do. And then it says in verse 14, then I cut my, my second staff, Union, second staff was named Union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. And so the staff Judah represented this brotherhood. Now, after this time, after this time frame right here, what happened was uh, the, Juda the Judeans split into several factions. You know, you had the Sadducees, the Pharisees, you had the Essenes, uh, you had the Herodians, you had the Zealots. You had all these different factions in Judah um, that uh, went, into, went in their own direction, you know, spiritually and physically and otherwise. And so we, we see here uh, that Zechariah, uh, Zechariah has prophesied that he broke his, his staff union in two, and that broke the unity amongst the Judeans, you know, and they, they started going in their own direction. <clears throat> Let's go on to chapter 12. In chapter 12, it says, Judah's security. And it says in verse 2, it says, Look, I will make Jerusalem a cup that causes staggering for the peoples who surround the city. The siege against Jerusalem will also involve Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the peoples. All who try to lift it will injure themselves severe, uh, severely, and uh, when all the nations of the earth gather against her. So we see here that what the Lord is promising, and this is a day in, uh, in the future, in the future from us. You know, this is in the tribulation times and the millennial reign times. And so what Zechariah is prophesying that the Lord is going to secure Judah in those days. He's offering, uh, not offering, but he's pronouncing that he's going to fight, fight for Judah in those days. He's going to gather the people, and he's going to gather himself against the nations that come against Jerusalem. And then he says in verse 8, On that day the Lord, on that day, yes, on that day the Lord will defend the uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that on that day the one who is weakest among them will be like David on that day. And so it says, on that day, the weakest of you will be like David. The weakest of you will be like a tower of strength on that day. And the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. On that day, I will set out to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So again, this is a word of prophecy as to what's going to happen in the future. Then it says, um, mourning for the pierced one. This is very interesting. It says in verse 10, then I will pour out a spirit. The Lord is saying, prophesying through Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah. I will pour out a spirit. And it says, um, I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem. It says, and they will look at me. See, this is interesting. And they will look at me whom they pierced. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, when he was being crucified on the cross, he got pierced in his side by one of the Roman soldiers and blood and water came out. 
And so the, the word is saying here, and they will um, look at me whom they pierce. And so the Roman soldiers did, did this with the consent and the cheering on of, uh, of the, um, uh, the residents of Jerusalem, of the Jews, because they, they were the ones that wanted to get rid of Jesus. And so and we're going to cover all this. But the thing is, I find that interesting. It says, and they looked at me. This is God talking through Zechariah. And he said, they pierced me. God is saying they pierced me. What does that tell us? That Jesus and God are, in fact, one. And so the word says that they pierced me. Um, and they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. And so what the word is, is uh, predicting here is that in that day, that what will happen is all the Jewish people who don't believe in Jesus, who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, to this day, all that time, it will be a revelation to them when they discover, when it's revealed to them, uh, that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. The word says that they will weep bitterly. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one uh, weeps for a firstborn. There will be no more denying. There will just be bitterness or bitter weeping. In chapter 13, it says God's people cleansed. And the word says in verse 2, on that day, this is the declaration of the Lord, I will remove the names of the idols from the land and they will no longer be remembered. It says I will banish the prophets and the unclean spirit from the land. And so, again, we're out in tribulatory uh, millennial rain times. Who knows when that's going to happen? But he's, what he's saying is, at that time, I'm going to banish prophets and the unclean spirits from the, land, from the land. They will no longer exist. Now, what it's referring to when it says prophets is the false prophets. You know, that's what I believe it means. But it means maybe it means all the prophets because maybe it means that at, it, in those days, at that time, everybody will be uh, getting delivered an unfiltered word of the Lord on their own. And there will be no need for prophets and, and that sort of thing. Then it says in verse 3, if a man still prophesies, if a man still prophesies, prophesies, if a man still prophesies, um, his father and his mother who bore him will say to him, you cannot remain alive. Because you have spoken a lie in the name of the Lord. When he prophesies, his father and his mother who bore him will, will pierce him through. This word is saying his father and his mother will execute him if he prophesies in those days because he's going to be prophesying lies in the name of the Lord. And that cannot be tolerated. This is going to be a clean time. There's going to be no more deceit. There's going to be no more lying. There's going to be no more misleading. That cannot be allowed to stand. And so this word is saying that in those days, even a mother and father who understand this and who love their offspring, they will take care of it because they know they cannot let this stand. In verse 7, it says, Sword, um, sword awake against my shepherd, against the man who is my associate. 
This is the declaration of the word of the uh, Lord of Armies. Now, sword, this is referring to Rome. It says, sword awake against my shepherd. And so the Lord is rousing the Romans to come against Jesus because it's a part of his of his plan. And it says against a man who is my associate. So Zechariah is prophesying the word of the Lord that Rome arise against my man, Jesus. You know, he's my associate, but to fulfill my plans, you are going to rise against him. Again, we're talking 500 years in the future from when Zechariah is prophesying this. And it says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now, Jesus quoted this scripture, you know, and so when they captured Jesus, all his disciples scattered. He says that this is that is uh, this is a fulfillment of that scripture. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. It says in verse eight. In the whole land, this is the Lord's declaration. Two thirds will be cut off and die, but a third will be left in it. I will put this third through the fire. It's the Lord talking through Zechariah. I will put the third, the remnant, through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. See, the Lord is saying, I'm going to put this remnant third through some stuff through some trials and tribulations. They're going to go through some hardships, not to punish them, but to refine them. You see, we, we don't like this. We don't like this pruning stuff. You know, we like the results of it, but going through it is not pleasant. Then it says, after this, they will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is our God. And in uh, chapter 14, the final chapter here, it says the Lord's triumph and reign. It says, look, a day is uh, a day belonging to the Lord is coming when the plunder taken from you will be divided in your presence. That's kind of cruel. So the day is coming where people will essentially take your stuff and they will divide it up in front of you. <laughs> and then it says, I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem for battle. The city will be captured, the houses looted, and the women raped. Hmm. Half the city will go into exile, but the rest of the city, uh, people will not be re removed from the city. And so <clears throat> he said half will go into exile, but there will be the other half that will be uh, remaining in the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations he has, um, as he fights on the day of battle. It says in verse 4, on that day. His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. This is referring to Jesus' second coming. On that day, he will return and he will stand on the Mount of Olives, um, which faces Jerusalem on the east. Drop down and it says, then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. Who are these holy ones coming with the Lord? I don't know. Are they, are they ones that have been risen from the dead and return? I'm not sure. Then it says on verse six, on that day, there will be no light. The sunlight and moonlight will diminish. It will be a unique day known only to the Lord. So you have a lot of people predicting times and dates with regard to the things of the Lord. They don't know. The word right here is saying is confirming that. He's saying this time, this date, this time period, this is known only to God. Only he knows. So when you hear somebody predicting this is going to happen at this time, this is going to happen at this time, I look at them sideways because they don't know. 
On that day, will, there will be no light. The sunlight and moonlight will diminish. It will be a unique day known only to the Lord. It says, on that day, the Lord will become king over the whole earth. You see, on that day, see, the Lord had given dominion, uh, uh, had uh, pronounced Satan as king of the earth at one time. You know, it says on that day, the, the Lord is essentially going to take his, his, um, his, his rulership back. See, his rulership back. He is now going to be, he's now going to coronate himself as king of the earth. I don't believe we see this anywhere else in the word. I could be wrong on that. It says, on that day, the Lord will become king over the whole earth. The Lord alone and his name alone. It says, but Jerusalem will be raised up and remain on its site. And so what this means is that it's just talking about physically. Jerusalem, as a sign that the Lord has returned, will rise from the ground, will raise up. You know, kind of like um, a sign to the rest of the world that the Lord is now sitting on the throne. Then it says in verse 12, it says, uh, this will be the plague with which the Lord strikes all the people who have warred against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot uh, in their mouths. And so all the people who have warred against Jerusalem, essentially all the people who have warred against God, all the people who have mocked God, come against God, all the stuff in those days at that time, it says that this will be a sign. This plague will be a sign. And it's going to strike all of those who have warred against me. Flesh will rot. Eyes will rot. <laughs> tongues will rot. Then it says, on that day, a great panic from the Lord will be among them so that each will seize the hand of another and the hand of one will rise against the, uh, the other. In other words, it's saying, and at that time, these people who don't believe in me, who have warred against me, they will be, uh, be stricken with panic and start fighting each other. In verse 16, it says, then all the survivors, um, this is the promise, then all the survivors from the nations that came against Jerusalem, all the survivors of the nations that came against God will go up year after year to worship the king of the Lord of armies and to celebrate the festival of shelters. The festival of shelters was a celebration of Thanksgiving. It says all those who at one time were my enemy, uh, they will start to make pilgrimage to me, to Jerusalem, in order to celebrate me. It says in verse 17, should any of the families of the earth not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of armies, rain will not fall on them. And if the people of Egypt will not go up and enter, then rain will not fall on them. It says, this will be the plague the Lord inflicts on the nations who do not go up to celebrate the festival of shelters. And so what's being prophesied here is there's coming a time when it's going to be the great and terrible day of the Lord. Great for those who believe in God, terrible for those who don't. And it's saying what's going to happen. Some of the signs that are going to take place, Jerusalem rising up, you know, uh, plagues being uh, spread amongst just unbelievers, you know, and these sort of things. And people making pilgrimages uh, to, Jerusalem, to Jerusalem to celebrate the Lord as we see Jesus' feet being placed on the Mount of Olives. It said, this is what's going to happen. You have a choice to believe it or not, but I believe the, the word has made a compelling case with regard to the accuracy of the prophecies coming from the prophets of the Lord. And so with that, we are done today. 
And we are going to pick it up in the book of Malachi, the final book of the Old Testament tomorrow. And remember the invitation that Jesus is continuously and always making. If you confess with your heart, excuse me, if you confess with your mouth and sincerely believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the word says that you shall be saved. Period. End of story. With that, everybody, take care, be blessed, and stay safe. Bye-bye now.